0: Okay, it's Blacktober. Let's get our halloween theme music, please. Yes, for the rest of October, we're coming in with this Halloween um, kind of creepy music because I just love it so much. I hope it's okay for y'all. Now, uh, welcome back to the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. I have some exciting news. It's exciting for me. I hope it's exciting for you as well. But we're going to get into that during our Carefree updates First things first, welcome back. Thank you for clicking this new podcast episode. Thank you for coming back, tuning in to a new episode. I appreciate you and I love you. My name is Shakira White and I am the host of this podcast. Thank you for coming back. Now, if you are new here, go ahead and subscribe. When you subscribe, you'll be notified every single time we have a new episode, which is every Tuesday at 9 a.m. M on the dots. You can guarantee if you come here at 9am, there will be a new episode. If you're returning, thank you for coming back and being a part of our carefree family. I appreciate you. And again, I love you. I don't want to take up too much time because we have some things to talk about during this podcast episode. So let's roll into our carefree updates. Okay, our first carefree update that I want to get into is about what we have going on here on our podcast. I set up a Patreon, okay? I am excited about it because it is something that I have been like wrestling with the idea of creating a Patreon page, but here we are, we have it. It is set up and from this point forward in every description of the podcast, you will be able to find the link to the Patreon page. There are three different tiers, the $5 tier, the $10 tier, and then the $20 tier. Um, with the two top tiers, you will have access to a how to start a podcast course. If you have specific questions that you want to ask me, I will be answering all of that on Patreon. If you join the $20 tier, you will get a merch box full of merch for the podcast and some extra goodies that I'm going to throw in there for you as well. It's just a lot. It is a lot that I want to give to you all. You will be able to see behind the scenes footage of how this kind of content is created everything you can possibly think of, especially with the how to start a podcast course. I'm extremely excited about it. And I hope that you are as well. So again, the link to the Patreon page will be in the description of this podcast episode. Now moving on to another carefree update, Kelly Rowland, okay, is expecting her second baby. Do you all think it's going to be a boy or a girl? I kind of hope that she has a girl because she already has a boy. And I feel like the girl would look exactly like her. I don't know. Titan looks exactly like his dad. Well, it depends on what parent he's standing next to. You know, those kids, like, they look either exactly like their mom or they look exactly like their dad. It just depends on who they're standing next to in that moment. That's who Titan looks like. Now, The girl, I think, will look exactly like her, but I hope it's a girl. Fingers crossed. But we are wishing her a safe and healthy delivery. Now, also on Netflix, there is a new movie. It is called The 40-Year-Old Version. I have it on my watch list. I've seen really good things about this movie all year, actually, starting from January, because I think it premiered at, like, Sundance or some huge film festival and it got like a lot of good reviews. So I've been hearing about it for a while, but it is now available on Netflix if you want to give it a watch. Also on Netflix is a short and when I say short, I think it's like 19 minutes long. It is a nineteen minute I don't want to call it a movie because it is an experience. Um I'll just say this. If you don't want to cry, you might not want to watch it. But the title of it is A Love Song for Latasha. It talks about the story of 15-year-old Latasha who lived out in California, who was killed when she went to the convenience store to get orange juice. She was killed by the convenience store owner. Um, and if you had not heard that story before, I think it occurred in 1991 or 93. I think it was 1992. Three, if I'm not mistaken um so it's it's a sad story I had heard it before but it was the first time that you know I had seen it in the visual aspect so it's something for you to consider watching if you would like to to support um you know black films and things like that now also probably you know Patreon was an extremely exciting carefree update but another one that's like a quick run-up behind that one that is exciting for me is that Tory Lanes was finally arrested yes finally I don't want to say he was arrested because I'm not sure but he was definitely charged with felony assault in the Megan The Stallion shooting it's just so sad to me that it took for her medical records to be released it took for her to have to go on live on Instagram to defend herself and all of this stuff In order for charges to finally be filed And this is a lesson to women um, Especially black women Do not protect people who bring harm to you Do not protect people who bring harm to you I said it twice because I really want it to seek in I know that she said that she didn't say anything to the police Because she was trying to protect him Um, But listen, you have to protect you first People look out for their self-interest. People look out for, you know, when danger or harm is coming, they're going to look out for themselves first. And I really wish Megan had done that. I understand her reasoning behind why, um, but I, I really wish she had done that in the first place because... Then you had so many people saying, like, I don't believe her. It wasn't that bad. It was just her foot, but it could have easily been somewhere else. And then that commentary would have switched, and then people would have been like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he did that. So, anyway, protect Black women, period. That is all I have for our Carefree updates. Now let's hop into our... um, What is it called? Sponsors. Our sponsors. Let's have our break for our sponsors. And then we're going to hop into our topic of the day. Before we get into our topic, this podcast episode, the topic portion of it is available to watch on Patreon. If you become a patron, you can actually watch it. Um, It has a little more details. I'm talking about it so you can see that part, but it has a little more details. Um, When we start getting into the history of things, you can actually see those things over on Patreon with the video podcast. Okay, now that's all I had to say. Now let's hop into our sponsors and then we'll get into our topic. Now, first of all, before we even get started into today's topic, if you are watching me right now, that means that you are a patron on our Patreon page. So thank you. I want to say thank you for becoming a patron. It's really going to help me so much if you become a patron because it's going to help me keep this thing rolling um, with everything we need to keep the podcast um, just top tier for a listening experience for y'all. So thank you, first of all, let me get that out of the way. But as you all know, we are now in Blacktober. If you are new here, Blacktober is our October series where we discuss different things affecting the black community. So last week was the first episode in Blacktober. We talked about um, who gets to define what's ghetto? Like, who gets to do that anyway? Um, we talked about that. And then, you know, last October, we talked about like gentrification, we talked about redlining, we talked about institutional racism, and also internalized racism. Um, So yeah, that's just like a brief overview, just in case you're new here. But today, today, Again, if you are watching me, you see this sign behind me says respectability will not save us. And we're going to get into that, what that means in this podcast episode. So if you are a black person living in America, especially in the South, um, there's a good chance you have heard or are familiar with two terms or phrases. The first of them being a coon, quotes around coon, and you've heard the phrase shucking and jiving shucking and jiving is kind of an old phrase if you're 19 18 16 i don't expect you to kind of be familiar with that but if you grew up around older people you've probably heard the term shucking and jiving so let's have a really quick history lesson on the both of them so first of all coon the word coon uh today refers to a black person that puts on airs right to try to impress white people in power at the expense of other black people. Um, But this term has evolved. So first of all, a lot of people don't understand or know where the term coom was even derived from. I didn't even know prior to this episode in the past, the Kuhn caricature was extremely similar to the Sambo caricature. I'm sure you've seen the Sambo caricature before. So although both of these were portrayed as being lazy, inarticulate, easily frightened um and every other stereotype of black people at that point in time the difference between the sambo caricature and the coon caricature was that sambo was seen as a never-ending child and the coon was the adult version of sambo um A good for little adult is what they would say. The coon was extremely lazy. It was a lazy servant. So lazy that he refused to do anything to change his position as a servant. And side note, I find it extremely ironic that irony isn't even the word here. Like I find it extremely ironic that the same people calling enslaved people lazy were the ones that had purchased enslaved people. Um, that were stolen from their homelands in order to not tend to their own fields and tasks. But I digress. I digress. Now moving on to Shuck and Jive. All right. Shuck and Jive came about in the early 1900s, but it was used the most in the 1920s. This term described Black people more specifically, enslaved people who intentionally misled racist Euro-Americans um, in power in order to survive. For example, um, if owners of enslaved people ask someone tending to the field, you know, hey, do y'all have any plans of escape? You can tell me, you know, I won't mess with you, but you can tell me if the others do. And the person immediately responded, oh, no, we love it here. It's fine. We don't have any plans of escape. Meanwhile, they've already met last night, you know, around the bonfire by their living quarters to discuss how Harriet is coming tonight and you need to be ready. So that is what Shuck and Jive kind of stood for. Now, both terms, Coon and Shuck and Jive, have one major thing in common. They are both were. (laughs) Were. At the point in time that they were popular They were both used as a method of survival And also a method to avoid criticism By this minority group, by black people But today, we, you know You won't find too many people using those terms Because our language has evolved As it should Um, It has evolved So today, we call it respectability politics Right now, to be honest, my first time hearing respectability politics was about last year before then. If I had heard it before, I had no idea what it was, so I just let it you know fly. But last year was my first time where I heard it, and I was like, wait a minute, what is that? So that is why we're talking about that this week. So the first time we see the term was in 1993 when Evelyn Higginbotham wrote a book. The title of the book is Righteous Discontent, the Women's Movement in the Black Baptist Church. In this book, she talks about how black women would present themselves as polite and sexually pure in order to avoid stereotypes that black women, um, We're being faced with back in the day, so black women being hypersexual, black women being immoral or unworthy of respect and protection. Now, if that sounds familiar... We just had a recent episode here on the podcast about protecting black women. Now, anyway, that was our first introduction into the word or phrase of respectability politics in 1993 with Evelyn. But generally, the definition of respectability politics is when minority and or marginalized groups are told or teach themselves that in order to receive better treatment from the group in power, they must behave better or present themselves as being different from the group at large. So in more simpler terms, people that subscribe to respectability politics are like the pick of racial groups, respectfully. So I was reading a scholarly journal entitled Performing a Vanilla Self, Respectability, Politics, Social Class, and the Digital World, and I'll link it in the description of the podcast, but I wanted to share this quick part of it that says, quote, Respectability had two audiences, African Americans who were encouraged to be respectable and white people who needed to be shown that African Americans could be respectable. Respectability also encompasses messages of class status and privilege denoted through dress, organizational affiliation, and behavior. Thus, respectability refers to a set of rules embodied by the white middle class that appealed to Black American reformers and subsequently other marginalized groups as a tactic for social uplift, end quote. So, respectability politics is... The way of thinking that says if we wear our hair neater um, and straight, if we speak in our most prestigious voices, if we acquire degrees um, from the best schools, if we live in the best neighborhoods, if we drive the best cars, um, then we'll be accepted by white people and they will treat us better. It's a method of survival. But today I came to tell you that respectability will not save us. And that is what this board says behind me. Respectability won't save us. Even if you do everything right, respectability will not save you. And here's why. The first example that I have was when a black student at Yale, she was a graduate student. Do y'all remember that? Um, Yale is one of the most prestigious schools in America. <laughs> Born and raised here. Yale, Princeton, all of those Ivy League schools, Even the movies that we grew up watching, they would mention those schools as being, you know, top-tier schools. So, this graduate student at Yale, she fell asleep in her dorm's common area. She had all of her books and her papers on the table in front of her, and she fell asleep. And when someone else that lived in the dorm came and saw her, she called the police on her. Now, when the police arrived, they said, quote, Once we verify that you belong here, we'll be on our way. Belong here. Like, I can't help but wonder if that exact same verbiage would be used if it were a white student. And has she not been a black student? Um, Let's talk about it a little bit. So the respectability of being a black graduate student at a prestigious university whose 2019-2020 Black student population was only 7.7%. Um, and that's directly from their website. So, even with all of that, she beat the odds, right? The police still had to verify that she belonged there. Their words and not mine. So, that respectability is out the window, right? Second example I have for y'all. Um Let's talk about this. So remember back in 2017, if you don't live in Florida, you may have not heard of this one, but in 2017, there was this um, lady, she's driving a car down the street, as we all do. And she was the Florida state attorney. She was stopped by police. So she was actually Florida's first black elected state attorney. And the police ran her car tags, which was an agency vehicle that she was driving, And they pulled her over. So when she gave him her license, she asked him, you know, what was the tag run for? And he said that they often run tags to see if a car is stolen and things like that. And he proceeds to say that the tents on the car were too dark. That's another reason why he said he pulled her. But then he says that he doesn't have a tent measurer. But he knows they're too dark, even though he doesn't have a tent measurer. But my favorite thing about the entire encounter was that she asked them for their cards. (laughs) Like, you could just see the smirk on her face as he was talking and he realized who she was. Um, Although the stop itself was legal, she didn't violate any laws that would warrant a traffic stop in the first place. She's the first black elected state attorney for Florida. Respectability will not save you. So, do you see where I'm going with this? I hope so. Let me give you one more example. Drew Brees, he is an NFL player. He said that he is against people who kneel during the national anthem. This was just this year, I want to say. And Laura Ingram, she's a host slash journalist commentator, you know. She said that Drew was entitled to his opinion and that he is a person of worth, but back in 2018, when Kevin Durant and LeBron James, um, they did a video on their feelings about politics and the things that were happening even back then in 2018. That same woman, Laura Ingram, said that they should keep their opinions to themselves and, quote, shut up and dribble. Let me just let that one sit for a second. Another recent example was when Charles Barkley got on national TV and spoke against the Breonna Taylor case. He said that it did not fall in line with the George Floyd case and the other cases like that because Breonna's boyfriend shot a cop. Like, come on, dude. Like, (laughs) did you even bother to read up on the case yourself or is reading comprehension not a thing? Let me know. So that's why I'm here to tell you that respectability will not save you. It does not matter if your name is Amy, as opposed to Shakira. It doesn't matter if your name is Brian, as opposed to Deontay. It doesn't matter if you're driving the latest Mercedes, as opposed to a box Chevy on 28s. It doesn't matter if you learn the Merriam-Webster from A to Z, as opposed to speaking African-American vernacular English. It does not matter. It doesn't matter if you're the first, the smartest, the fastest, the most talented or the most athletic black person out there. Respectability politics won't save you or make you, you know, the exception to the rule in white people's eyes. I'm telling you. So when you subscribe to respectability politics, you place the blame on the victim instead of the perpetrator. It's like telling yourself, okay, if I behave this way, they're going to accept me. And if you all behave this way, they'll accept you too. All we have to do is walk like this and talk like this and wear our hair like this and wear these kind of clothes, and then they'll accept us. We've had years and years and years of doing what's right, right? But it doesn't matter if you do everything right in the book, your skin color, who you are, does not change. Okay, respectability politics will not save you. Stop subscribing to respectability politics because it will not save you. I just cannot say that enough. And what really warranted this podcast episode, this topic was already on my list for Blacktober, but I was going to do it near the end of the month, but I decided to move it up because recently in Texas, a black man was shot and killed by a police officer I want to say like a week ago, his name was Jonathan Price. I don't think it's Jacob. I think it's Jonathan Price. So Jonathan, gosh, I didn't even want to mention him in this topic, but that this is what forced me to move it up in the month because people went on Jonathan's Facebook and saw that he had actually posted a status on his Facebook talking about how, you know, He's never had any personal bad experiences with police and he loves white people. He's addicted to white women, et cetera, et cetera. You can look up the post yourself, but I find it extremely disturbing when members of minority groups only speak on their experiences with racism or with police brutality or with institutional racism. It's like, well, I'm fine. I haven't had any problems with it. I don't know what's going on with you guys. I don't have to be shot by a gun personally to know it hurts. I can see it happen to someone else or hear about the stories from someone else who has actually experienced it. And that's less than enough for me. I don't have to experience it personally. And I hate that Jonathan had to experience it in the way that it did, like in the way it went down. I hate that he had to lose his life in order for him to see, yeah, no, respectability politics are not it. They will not save us and they will not protect you from racism. It will not protect you and keep you from being criticized. So stop. So I want to leave you with some questions to open a bigger, you know, dialogue and conversation Have you subscribed to respectability politics before? It's okay if you have. This is a safe space. Um, No judgment here. Do you think it works if you have? Or if you've seen it work for someone else, do you think respectability politics works? Um, Do you feel like you know someone who subscribes to that way of thinking? Spoiler alert. We all do. We all know at least one person who does. Or is all of this new for you? Did you learn something here in this episode? And if so, I hope so. Now, thank you again if you are watching me talk about this. Thank you for being a patron. Thank you for supporting all of this. Hopefully, all of this will become all of something more than this. (laughs) But for right now, I think we have a cute little setup, you know, right here behind me and everything like that. Now, also, Stay tuned for the rest of the month for Blacktober. The next two episodes, let me tell y'all, the next two episodes are kind of heavy. Let me warn you in advance, they're kind of heavy, but they are... a lot of information. So I hope y'all are ready. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I hope y'all are ready. Prepare yourselves now. Don't forget to share these podcast episodes with your friends, your co-workers, the girl across the street from you, your neighbor, you know, share it with people so that we can just grow our little podcast family. I appreciate you. Stay black and carefree and I'll see you guys and talk to you guys in the next episode of the carefree and black diaries bye guys